I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This Day in Crime is released every day, Monday through Saturday. For ad-free listening and exclusive bonus content, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. Let's start the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm Todd McComas, and if you don't know how to use the self-checkout machine at the grocery, go to a lane that has a cashier because you're slowing down things for the rest of us and you're defeating the purpose. It doesn't count if the girl has to leave her stool to come over and do everything for you. Just saying. Respect your fellow shoppers. Now, on to the business at hand. Laura Benson's here to continue our recap of the top crime stories of 2023. So let's get to it. A killer brought to justice after 30 years. How Jane Doe got her name back. A new meaning to island time. Fentanyl is one slippery fish. And a robot car named Panini almost gets away with it. All this and more coming up on This Day in Crime. I'm Laura Benson, and today is Thursday, January 4th, 2024. Today, I wanted to share some good news with you all. First off, I'm happy to say that so far I've kept all of my New Year's resolutions. Four days into the new year, and I am feeling great. And speaking of resolutions, 2023 was full of them. Looking back at the year, there were a number of high-profile cold cases resolved after decades of questions and at least a couple of missing people who were found again. So on today's show, we're going to focus on some of the positives that happened in 2023. Now let's get into it. First up, on May 13th, Kayla Unbahan, who had been reported missing in Wheaton, Illinois in July of 2017, was found alive and well in Asheville, North Carolina. Kayla was nine years old when she went missing after a 4th of July parade. Her disappearance was featured in 2022 on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, and that show is to thank for her return. She was spotted by a Plato's Closet employee who had seen the episode. See? True crime shows really do make a difference. Also, I looked at photos of Kayla. She was nine when she disappeared, and she was a teenager when she was found. And I honestly don't know how that employee recognized her. She's all grown up now. Kayla's mother, Heather Unbahan, was charged with kidnapping and violating her custody agreements. Another case of someone turning up in an unexpected place involves a Pennsylvania woman who disappeared more than 30 years ago. Patricia Kopta, now 83, was last seen in Pittsburgh in the summer of 1992. Her husband, Bob Kopta, reported her missing a few months later in the fall. At the time, he advised authorities that it wasn't uncommon for his wife to, quote, drop out of sight for short periods. Okay, personally, I kind of love this. 
In most cases, it would be fishy for a husband to wait months to report his wife missing, but in this case, it's a normal part of their marriage. Patricia would just kind of go rogue sometimes and do whatever she wanted. Sounds a bit like a recipe for marital bliss, if you ask me. Well, after three decades, Copta was discovered living out her days in sunny Puerto Rico. Police say they were first informed about the discovery of the missing woman when an agent from the Interpol and a social worker from Puerto Rico contacted them, saying they believed Patricia was living in an adult care facility on the island, where she had been since 1999. In her advanced age, Patricia had started revealing nuggets about her past that eventually spurred those around her to contact police and solve the mystery of her whereabouts. Although, I wonder what her husband is thinking now. What about Bob? In addition to the discovery of these two missing ladies, 2023 also saw the closure of a few outstanding Jane Doe cases. The first case has been unsolved for 52 years. On January 23, 2023, auspicious day, a Jane Doe was identified as Colleen Audrey Rice thanks to DNA testing. Rice's body was found in the Arizona desert in 1971 in a white cotton sack with a label that read Deer Pack Ames Harris Neville Co. No idea. Efforts were done to identify Mojave Jane Doe via her fingerprints and dental work, but there were no matches. Missing persons reports in different states were checked, and there were no matches either. The case went cold until 1999 when a unit was formed to revisit 60 unsolved cases. Investigator Lori Miller was assigned, and she actually set up a fundraising campaign to raise the approximately $6,000 to get proper DNA testing done at a specialized facility. Finally, a match was found for an Ohio resident, Colleen Audrey Rice. Little is known about Rice, as she was estranged from her family, but the cops at the time of her reported death in Ohio believed that she was strangled by, you guessed it, her husband. Another unsolved case that got some closure this year was that of Daisy May Heath. Heath was reported missing on October 29, 1987, after her family hadn't heard from her for a couple of months. Her remains were finally found in the Yakima Reservation in Washington State on November 26, 2008, but DNA testing still wasn't advanced enough to identify them. So finally, this year, testing was conducted by a private DNA lab in Texas that specializes in remains that have been unidentified for decades. Heath was one of 14 Native American women who died under suspicious circumstances in the area during the late 80s and early 90s. It seems like there's still a lot more to dive into here, but for now, at least Heath's family has some level of closure. Finally, this year saw the rise and fall of someone claiming to be a missing person who, well, just wasn't. I can't quite wrap my head around this one as far as motivations or really what happened, but in February of 2023, Julia Faustina, who also goes by Julie Wendell, began a social media campaign claiming that she was Madeline McCann, a British girl who had gone missing in 2007 while on a family vacation in Portugal. Wendell posted side-by-side photos of herself and McCann, which, I'll be honest, do bear a resemblance, and she quickly gained tens of thousands of followers to her now-deleted Instagram account, at IamMadelineMcCann. Now, folks were really polarized by this, and some accused her of being a total fraudster. However, Wendell herself asked for DNA tests of McCann's parents, and she gladly got one. A spokesperson for the case, Dr. Fia Johansson, shared that Wendell had a lot of questions about her own childhood and really believed she was this girl. 
She was apparently distraught to find out that she had 100% Polish heritage with no trace of British blood at all and was therefore not the missing British girl. But hey, at least she made it onto Dr. Phil. Do you hate when I interrupt this part of the show? Then sign up for Tenderfoot Plus and listen ad-free. Otherwise, we'll be back after this message. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. In March 2023, the man convicted of killing Kristen Smart, who vanished from a California college campus in 1996, was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. Smart's remains have never been found, making this a super tricky case to solve. Prosecutors maintained that Paul Flores, who's now 46, killed Smart during an attempted rape on May 25, 1996, in his dorm room at the university where both were first-year students. Flores remained the only suspect from the get-go, as he was the last person seen accompanying Smart home the night she disappeared. Over the years, the Sheriff's Office investigators and forensic specialists assigned to Ms. Smart's case executed 18 search warrants, submitted 37 items that were collected in the early days of the case for DNA testing, recovered 140 new items of evidence, and conducted 91 interviews from 2011 to 2020. So no doubt, they have been very thorough. Now, to add insult to injury, during the proceedings, the prosecutor called Flores a, quote, true psychopath, and the judge named him a, quote, cancer to society. Come on, everyone. There's no need for name-calling. The guy is going to jail. 
But all the same, I'm really glad that justice has been served. Neo, don't take the blue pill. Or the red one, for that matter. A landmark fentanyl-related homicide case took place in August of 2023 in Riverside County, California. A jury found Vicente David Romero, 34, guilty of second-degree murder for the death of 26-year-old Kelsey King in 2020. In November, he was sentenced to 15 years to life in prison. The conviction established a legal precedent for the prosecution of drug dealers implicated in fentanyl-related deaths. So it's a huge win. In order to cross the threshold of murder, prosecutors had to convince the jury that Romero, in fact, knew the product he was selling would kill someone, and despite this knowledge, continued to peddle the fentanyl-laced pill. During the proceedings, prosecutors called 10 witnesses and showed body cam footage where Romero said he knowingly gave and split a fentanyl-laced pill known as, quote, blue or M30 to King. And speaking of fentanyl, Another podcast saved the day this year when tens of women finally realized why they had such painful procedures at REI. No, no, not the sporting goods store, the Yale Reproductive Endocrinology and Fertility Clinic. The popular podcast, The Retrievals, which came out in June, examined the story of a dozen women who underwent egg retrieval procedures at the Yale Fertility Center in 2020. For months, these women had complained about extreme pain during and after the procedures and were dismissed. But it wasn't until an anesthesiologist in the clinic noticed a loose cap on a vial of fentanyl, the star of the show, that the clinic discovered that Donna Monticone, a then-nurse at the clinic, had been stealing fentanyl for her own use from the fertility clinic and replacing it with saline. Saline, a.k.a. salt water, like for eye drops. And no, not the eye drops that Jessie Krzyzewski used to murder her friend. Far less strong eye drops. For a surgical procedure, a very painful surgical procedure. As somebody with ovaries, I can't even handle this. Once the podcast came out, all these women realized why they were in so much pain, and nearly 75 women came forward over the course of the summer and fall to file lawsuits. Yale was in trouble for not only negligence managing the medication, but for additionally refusing to notify these women once the fentanyl diversion was discovered. In November of 2023, nearly all of them offered to settle the lawsuits with Yale. This proposed settlement amount filed with the Superior Court would top more than $118 million. But that's basically just a few years of tuition at Yale, so they should be fine. Now, for something completely different. General Motors faces up to $1.5 million in penalty charges over allegations that it misled regulators after a driverless car ran into a pedestrian on October 2nd, 2023. Well, ran into a pedestrian is a bit of an understatement, dragged a poor woman 20 feet before finally breaking and leaving her completely stuck is a bit more accurate. Fun fact about this, the robocar's name is Panini. Little Panini Death Trap. Initially, the facts publicized about the incident stated that the woman who had been hit in the crosswalk by a human-driven car fell into the path of the cruise vehicle and was pinned underneath. Cruz called the crash tragic, but said that the robo-taxi stopped as it was supposed to and that a human driver couldn't have reacted any faster. What Cruz did not say, however, is that after sitting still for an unspecified period of time, little Panini, the robotaxi, began moving forward at about seven miles per hour, dragging the woman with it for 20 feet. Cruz
Cruz had shown a video of the incident to reporters and when they filed the report, but the video was edited, so it only showed the car as it had stopped and did not show the car when it began moving again with the woman still underneath. Cruz did not provide the full video footage until October 19th, which was about two weeks after this happened. And this means that Cruz and GM are now facing potential fines of $100,000 per day for covering this up, which equates to $1.5 million. Cruz has also had to suspend driverless operations nationwide. To date, the pedestrian has not filed a lawsuit. But I feel like if there's ever a moment to file a lawsuit against anyone, being dragged by a robocar named Panini is probably the right time to do it. That's all for today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and tune in tomorrow to hear a weekly recap from the one and only Todd McComas, the only person I know who is a legit detective and comedian all rolled into one. Thanks, Laura. I'll be here tomorrow to close out the weekly portion of our 2023 recap. That's what I do. I bookend your work week. So starting next week, you'll get the day's top crime stories from me every Monday and Friday. Laura Benson every Tuesday and Thursday. Eric Quintana every Wednesday, and then every Saturday, Jessica Knoll will treat you to a historical crime story that's tied to that calendar week. That's your schedule, so make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss a single episode of This Day in Crime. This Day in Crime is a production of Tenderfoot TV in partnership with Odyssey, produced in association with Burning Mountain Productions. Sources for today's episode and full credits can be found in the show notes, and you can follow us on social media at This Day in Crime. We're back at it tomorrow. Thanks for listening.